bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco on November 2nd. So, uh, holy cats, how can it be November? It can't be. <laughs> it is. But, um, hey, uh, so, uh, hey, I'm flying solo today. So if you want to give me any calls, I'm at one 973 cairo one 973 Five four seven six, and uh, I will do my best to answer your questions. But uh, I want to start this show with a rant because those doggone squirrels dug up some really and ate, I'm sure, some really great uh, little species tulips that I planted. And I went to a talk the other day, and this guy said that uh, he just puts lots of leaves where he plants bulbs, and he said, if they don't, if they can't see that you've been digging, the squirrels won't dig there. Uh-huh. Well, these evidently are more intelligent squirrels in my garden, and he's got his garden because I tried that trick, and it did not work. So you got to put chicken wire or something over there and stake it down, or they're going to get your tulips, I guarantee it. Oh, I'm mad. I think I know which one it is, too. He's a... A really big chubby one. And I know he's probably got so many looking at him. I think he gets almost every tulip in everybody's garden. So, oh, la, la. Hey, on a more cheery note, I want to uh, wish happy birthday to my good friend Marie. And uh, every birthday I have, she makes me these incredible. She's gone on a lot of uh, my garden tours with Mary and I. She makes the best chocolate cake you have ever had in your life. One bite and you start howling at the moon. It's uncontrollable, you know. So uh, so all I can say is happy birthday, Marie. I know it's your birthday today, and I hope uh, Ray makes you a cake. It's not going to be as good as yours, though, but uh, you'll have to fake it, I guess. All right. Hey, uh, okay, and um, I just one other thing I have to say. So I have uh, Izzy and Leo, my pups, and Izzy's two years old. Leo's about, oh, almost eight months now. We have no idea what in the world Leo is. We know Izzy is part Border Collie, which is big trouble, <laughs> lab, and golden retriever. And, you know, really a beautiful dog where Leo is just the cutest thing you've ever seen with one ear up. But anyway, I'll quit bragging about my dogs before I get in trouble here. <laughs> but uh, so we always let them. We when we leave, we leave the back door open. Two big dogs; nobody's going to mess with anything, you know. And uh, turn off the heat. But now it's getting cold. I don't want to do it anymore. So we have a doggy door down the basement of stairs. I and but Mary was working on a garden out there and. We had to fence them out, so she got that done. So now they got to use the doggy door. Those two together are such troublemakers. They ripped all the paneling off the walls down at the basement, bottom of the basement stairs. I just get out of the shower, and I hear Mary going, Oh, no! It, they ripped it to shreds. Nails all over the place. We were worried that they, you know, swallowed some bad stuff. And now we're going to have to, like, wire off all the panels and everything before we can figure out a way to block those before we can let them back down. 
Oh, la, la. The life of a pet owner. All I can say is it's tough. And I give them all those milk bones. They should be chasing those squirrels that are eating my tulips. So I'm very upset about this this morning. <laughs> hey, okay. Just hey, on my website, thought I'd tell you about a couple of really cool things on there. So right now, you know, with the fall color so beautiful, we have a link to the Japanese, the Seattle Japanese Garden, and uh, also to Kubota Garden. They're over on the side under the little things you hit for, you know, the links and things. And um, you got to see that picture on the front of the Japanese, Seattle Japanese Garden. Oh, my gosh, that is so gorgeous when you go to that. Kubota Garden has a really fantastic picture, but you got to go through their pictures a little to get to it, but they're all beautiful. But uh, So check those out, and if you get a chance, go to one of those two gardens. They are so fantastic. Now, there was one other thing that I want to let you know about because I think it's really, really cool, and that is, now there's a whole bunch of stuff in my website, and I'll be seeing a lot of you, and this is in events. Just hit the event button, and I'll be seeing a lot of you at the special lecture with the landscape architect, uh, Catherine Gustafson. There, there are still tickets available, so if you want to go over there tomorrow and uh, check that out at the Bainbridge Island Museum of Art, it's going to be a really fun day. But anyway... They're having tool sharpening at Mallpacks. This is Bob Burnin, and I got to know him because he comes to City Peoples now and then. And uh, that guy can make anything so sharp, you can't believe it. Now, I prune my own, I sharpen my own pruning shears all the time. I use a file to do that because it's quick. It's and it and I've got those Felco pruners that stay razor sharp, so I don't worry about them. But I have other loppers and uh, cut and hold pruners that are really hard to sharpen up. So uh, I take those now and then over to him. And man, are they sharp! And he does knives too. I don't know about you. I can't sharpen a knife. I've tried it a million times. I'm not good at that kind of thing. Woo! They're sharp. So anyway, it only costs three fifty for each tool or knife or whatever you have him sharpen. I'd consider it. It's Saturday, November 9th, 10 to 2 p.m. And, uh, boy, he does a great job. Okay, enough about that stuff. I'll probably go ahead and take a break right away. And then uh, if I, I hope somebody will call, one 973 cairo one 973 if not, I've got a slew of emails I've been getting, so I'll do some of those. All right. See you around the corner on 97.3 Cairo FM. I'm getting excited because I'm going to be heading to Japan and um, so I'm very excited about that. But I'll be here next week. And then uh, Nita Joe Roundtree is going to take over for a couple of weeks. So uh, you'll get a break from me for a change here. <laughs> and she does a terrific job. So that's really fun. Hey, uh, next time I'll be giving a talk because I'm going to be going away a bit. Uh, we'll be at the Pialop Home and Garden Show on January 5th. So I'll be looking forward to seeing a lot of you then. 
All right, so uh, nobody gave me a call yet, So, uh, but I got a really interesting uh, uh, email, and it has to do with two of my favorite things, gardening and dogs. So uh, Jen has a female dog, fairly large-sounding dog, and um, she's getting a lot of those dead spots in the lawn because, you know, the dog pee is full of urea, and it burns the grass. So uh, she's trying to figure out how to solve that problem. And she said, I know there are products you could buy that you could put down that they really work. And she also heard that you could uh, give your dog tomato juice, and it'll stop them from making dog spots in the lawn. So uh, as far as those products are concerned, I can't say that I know 100%. I've never tried to use one, but the research I did, because I've gotten these questions a lot over the years when I was writing for the PI or the Times. And um, so from what I was able to research, those products only work if you're practically standing behind your dog. (laughs) As soon as they're done, you uh, quick put it down there. Because it has to neutralize the acid in the soil, and it doesn't always work too well. So I've heard you got to be really persistent, and then it might work, okay? So I I can't do that. I know that. I, so because uh, half the time my dogs are out there without me being out there with them. The other thing is the idea of uh, giving your dog tomato juice to uh, prevent it from uh, – killing the grass, it's supposed to neutralize their pee, well, uh, don't do it. I actually researched that question. It was that uh, was quite a popular idea many years ago, and it pops up from time to time. And the way that it works is it's really salty. So your dog drinks a bunch of tomato juice, and then... Uh, that makes your dog really thirsty, so it drinks a lot of water, and that's what's supposed to neutralize everything. But uh, I talked, I did research on this, and I also talked to my vet, and uh, both my vet and uh, the research I did said that's not good for your dog. You don't want to be giving your dog a whole bunch of salt that could harm your dog. Now, some I've read quite a few bits. While I was doing that research, I I saw some research that said that MSM, that's in that triple flex stuff that people buy that have arthritis. MSM supposedly can neutralize a dog's pee. But the thing about that is that... uh, I don't know if that's good for a dog or not. And when I asked my vet, he's like, I don't think there'd be any harm because he said sometimes we recommend people use that triple flex for their dog when they get really old and have bad arthritis. But we're talking about an older dog usually. So all I can say is if you're going to try something like that, really talk to your vet. I know it used to be packaged at the pet food store as spot away, I think it was called. So you could look into that, but I'd have a very serious talk with my vet before I ever used it, and uh, I'd rather have the dog spots than mess around with anything that could in any way harm your pup. So that's my opinion on that. 
All right. Hey, we just got a call from Renton. It's Janet. Hey, Janet, thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> Hi, Cisco. Are you lonely? <laughs> Not a bit. <laughs> good, good. Right. Hey, Cisco, you've led me all the way with this, but I have a bonsai uh, oak tree. Uh-huh. I grew it from a... a an acorn that I found in New England. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Now, it's two feet tall, and it's gorgeous. It's turning. And uh, I'm just wondering, should I do anything differently in the future for this guy? Now, he's he's got mulch. He's got uh, leaves on top. And all that. Is it in a pot or the ground? A big pot. Okay, big pot. Yep, yep. All right. Well, and each year I, you know, change the soil a little bit, top off the soil, and feed them a little bit, and uh, it's healthy as a horse. I'm just, I just want to keep this little guy. (laughs) How big is the big pot? How would you describe the size? Is it like three feet? I would feet? say about three gallons. Oh, that's not very big, really. I would... Now, here's the thing. If, you know, that's fine in a three-gallon pot if you want to really bonsai it. So uh-huh. what So what you have to do, you got to watch it carefully. You might pop it out of that pot this winter. So what you could do is just get it out of that pot... And, um, you know, and and I'll tell you what, I would definitely put something around that pot so it doesn't freeze too solid. Because that's, that's what I've done. Good. There's leaves on top oh, and wood and all that stuff. Oh, great. Wood chips, great. All right. Yeah, I've done that every year. Okay. This winter, when, uh, you know, when it's really cold, or it doesn't have to be that cold, but when the plant's totally dormant. Go ahead and pop it out of the pot and see how root-bound it is. You could just plant it back in new soil if the soil falls off, which would only happen if there aren't many roots in there. Chances are it'll look just like a plant you bought from the nursery with lots of roots in there and everything. And uh, if if it's just root-bound as can be, you're going to want to very gently break up those roots a bit if you're going to put it back in the same container, you're going to have to, you could actually bare root it then, wash the soil very gently off the roots, and cut them back fairly substantially, like two or three inches. And then you just replant it in that same pot with nice fresh soil. You're going to have to do this at least every five years, but if it's a, a big growing oak, you're going to have to probably do this every two years in the winter if you keep it in the same pot. It doesn't seem to be root-bound because when I water it, whenever I water it, it takes quite a while for it to, you know. Oh, good. (laughs) Good, good. Well, yeah, you know what you're doing. So that means you can wait another year before you do this test. But at some point... You're going to notice when you water it, the water's just going to run along the top, go right down the side because the roots are going to get pulled away because it's going to get so root-bound. And right. you kind of want to do this this cutting back a little on the roots. 
before that happens. Because once that happens, you're going to have a hard time watering that plant for the rest of summer. And you want to do this experiment, you know, where you cut back the roots in the wintertime when it's dormant. Mm, okay. So it might it's okay. not going to hurt your tree to pop it out of the pot to take a look when it's dormant this winter. Just so you can see how things are going. If there's hardly any roots in there, you're going to be going, wow, I can't believe I ever thought there would be more. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think it's worth maybe taking a look because oak trees get big. There's hardly any that don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to have to stay on top of that. You're going to have the coolest bonsai there ever was. I'll tell you what. Oh, it is uh, the coolest bonsai already. The trunk is getting wider. Do you prune it on top? Uh, yes. Oh, good, good, good. Oh, you oh, are doing over. great. Oh. Well, <laughs> well, that is so cool. I want to report every year on this bonsai, okay? <laughs> that Thank is so great. Much for your support for, for, you know, since I grew this little acorn. <laughs> I, it's really neat. Don't forget to give it gentle fertilizer every year. So you can either buy. Oh, definitely. They have a lot of organic uh soluble fertilizers now you can put in so you can do that or you can you know you can try and integrate in a little um organic um granular but that's harder to do over time you're going to want to start going soluble no i'm just going the old-fashioned way okay well that's good yeah you're keeping it going that's what counts listen we have to go to the news but congratulations, you're doing a good job. Keep that guy alive and doing great, okay? Thank you, Cisco. All right, Janet, thanks so much for your call. I appreciate it. See you later. Okay, we're going to go to the news now. Alicia will be in here soon, keeping you up to date on everything going on on 97.3 Cairo FM. Give me a call if you think of it. one 973 Cairo, one 973 This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. And bonjour encore, and uh, thanks for tuning in, because another beautiful day. Oh, man, it's been so fun just enjoying all this sunshine. Hey, talking of, speaking of sunshine, let's go to Maple Valley and talk to Peggy. Hey, Peggy, what you got going in Maple Valley? Oh, sunshine, lots of sunshine. Oh, isn't it great? Um, (laughs) It is. Um, I have a primadalis that's uh, trimmed into a topiary that's a star. And I just got it this summer, and I was wondering... It's in a kind of a, a plastic pot, uh, orna- ornamental, but it's thin. And I was wondering, do I need to put that in another pot over the winter, or will it be all right left out? Well, that's a good question. Generally, uh, if if it was a deciduous plant, I'd usually say you're probably all right because they're totally dormant. But conifers can be a little tricky. I think if this is something you really love and it sounds really cool, then I would probably put that in another heavier pot. And you know what you could do? If you've got a a big enough other pot, 
you could put some styrofoam lining in there, or if you don't want to use styrofoam, you could use most any kind of insulation and line the inside of the bigger pot, put that inside the that pot, and, and you might as well buy a spectacularly beautiful pot because you've got this great uh, topiary that you're showing off, and uh, just keep it in there all the time, and it would be... Uh, spectacular and you won't have to worry one bit about it getting wrecked by a super cold winter okay all right my husband just winced when you said an expensive pot (laughs) he's right it's not going to be cheap that's for sure but uh but uh you just got to tell him it's going to be the most beautiful thing that all your neighbors will say how beautiful it is and you can say it was his idea (laughs) <laughs> tell him he gets a tell him he gets a Brussels sprout casserole for this. Okay, I will. Well, well, thank you so much, Cisco. I appreciate it. Okay, Peggy. Thanks. Fun call. See ya. All right. Hey, we're going to Rhonda. She's in Renton. Hi, Rhonda. Welcome to the show. Hi. Are you there, Rhonda? Yes. I um I have a, a very common question, but it seems to have many different answers. So I thought maybe you could help me give me your idea, suggestion. Sure. It's about planting bulbs and fertilizing. I um, have been to the, a lot of the same lectures you have. In fact, I was at the one where you were told about the leaves <laughs> that the squirrels would not find. Yeah. I didn't believe him when he said that, but... <laughs> I had my doubts, but I, I was trusting. <laughs> I know, and I, I'm the same same way. I thought, well, but I have a squirrel out digging around right now in the area that I planted this morning, so I'm just waiting for him. But I had some repellent stuff that's probably not even allowable anymore, oh. but I sprayed it on some of the bulbs, and we'll see. I think it's probably something that's noxious that we're not oh. supposed to use. But <laughs> anyway, it's only on the bulbs, so we'll we'll see. Um, and it's gone. No worries. But now what about this um, fertilizing? It's Everybody says to do it, and the box says to... Once they start to emerge in the spring and then after flowering. But the problem is with that, I get busy and I forget. And those bulbs never get fertilizer if I wait. So do you put a little bulb fertilizer when you plant them? I do. And, you know, I've been on both sides of this argument, but now I'm totally for putting some bulb food in there. And I usually uh, put some bone meal in, too. And I use fish bone meal these days because uh, you don't have to worry about some of those uh, bad diseases, E. coli, and things they've found in some uh, bone, uh, cattle bone meal. So, uh, Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and the reason you want to add that, though, is because you want those bulbs to grow as much as they can before they bloom in spring, and they'll they'll just be stronger, and your chances of them coming back again are better. Yeah. Do you put it down in the hole or over yeah. the top? Yeah, I put it down in the hole, work it in the hole. And I I okay. usually use a, um, you know, if it's, if it's already getting really cold, I might actually use a synthetic fertilizer, but generally I use an organic bulb food and hope that uh, 
down there in the bottom of the hole, it's warm enough for the little critters to still be active and eat it up so that it becomes active, activated for the plants. So, okay. But, How much would you say you use for a hole then? Like, well, it depends. Cup, just kind of shake some in there, stir it around? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be tons. If I'm doing a big hole where I'm putting, let's say, five tulips in there, and uh, then yeah. I'm probably going to put a half handful of bone meal, and I'm probably going to put in a, just, a, you know, probably a half cup of uh, organic fertilizer. Now, if it was synthetic, sure. I'd be reading the label really careful because if you overdo it with synthetic fertilizer, you can burn the things you got in there, yeah. so you got to be real careful. That's yeah. why I like organic so much better. Yeah. And uh, but I here's use the organic too. If you want those bulbs to come back, you need to scratch some fertilizer in right when they come out of the ground in the spring. Okay, that's okay. really key. I'll do that then. I never yeah, do okay. bone meal or anything at that know. stage. And and uh, I always give this extra warning. If you're planting bulbs or anything with bone meal under it, if you've got a dog, <laughs> for a few days, oh, okay. don't let the dog near that. He'll dig all those bulbs, go shooting in the air. And uh, it's not good yeah, for dogs to eat bone <laughs> meal eaters. <laughs> yeah, so, I do. And I have coyotes out here, too, which they'll probably think the same way. Oh, they might. And, so and you might want to put triggers. some chicken wire really tight on that or something. Even that, I don't know if that okay. would keep on. And I have deer netting, too, that sometimes works. Yeah. Netting just to lay over the top. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Because, uh, yeah, I've never thought... Where do you where do you get the fish um, bone meal? Almost, I don't think I've ever seen that. Almost all the, the good nurseries carry that now. I can't remember if I, okay. which I got at one of our best nurseries in the area, you know. Okay. Okay, I'll look, and it says right above fish bone meal. Yeah. On yep. Right on the label. Oh, yep. okay. I have never checked for that, so I'm glad to know that. I didn't know about those diseases. Yeah, I bought 21 bags at that wonderful little bulb sale that you went to. Oh, wow. Holy cow! I was planning just a few, and I got all carried away. Oh, it's they easy. They have so many interesting pictures there. Oh, yeah, they, have, they really carry a lot of real unusual bulbs and neat ones. And uh, so hopefully the squirrels probably got my uh, little species tulips in this one area, and I'm not happy oh. at all. What a mess they made. No. Covered the whole sidewalk. Oh. They just dug really deep for those. And, you know, you don't plant oh. those species ones very deep anyway. So I think that no. it's that chubby squirrel in my garden. I'm I'm going to give oh. that guy a talk or two next time I see him. Well, maybe look around. Sometimes they don't, um, they haul them off. I found parts or, you know, bulbs planted somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, too. You know, at Seattle University. So maybe at at Seattle U, we planted 250 crocus on one side of the road. To my great amazement, mm-hmm. almost every one of them came up on the other side of the road in the spring. <laughs> so those tulips forget, those squirrels forget where they plant the things sometimes, you know. So. They do. So, <laughs> see, yours might be right out front or somewhere they, you they didn't might plan. Be. I'll be watching to so see if they're there. Time. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I haven't had time. When I get home today, I'm going to dig that area up and just see... What's left? Because if they're gone, I'm going to plant something else there. So 
Hey, what well, very that, discouraging. Well, Rhonda, I know, I, it's very, very well. Good luck. Hey, thanks so much, and thanks for the call. Thank That's you. great. I think your bulbs are going to do great, but don't let the coyotes get to that fish meal, whatever I'm you not- do. <laughs> Well, they first take care of all the rabbits. Well, hey, and then they head for the the dirt. They can eat so, my well, they yeah. can eat my tulips if they'll eat those rabbits first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Rhonda, thank you so much. I'll talk to you again. Bye bye. Ninety seven three Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Molbax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Oh la la. Hey, and if uh, you want to see what my book looks like, just go to Cisco.com. There's a picture right on the front page, and you can click on the, uh, on the link and find out what it's about. It's not quite my usual book. <laughs> it's coming out January 21st. Okay, so uh, we didn't get any phone calls right now, but we don't have much time anyway. So I thought I'd do a couple of very interesting emails I got. One from Terry, and uh, that's pretty interesting. She said uh, that her husband went out and bought a vine maple because they wanted something that would really color up and be spectacular for this kind of shady spot in their garden where it's very visual through their windows, and uh, it the leaves turn brown. All the other Japanese maples and things in their garden are looking spectacular. The leaves turn brown, and they're just stuck on the tree. You know, they haven't even fallen off. And uh, so I have kind of bad news for you, Terry. <laughs> so this happened to me at Seattle U. I, what, what it comes down to is some what's got it and some what's ain't. So... At Seattle U, I bought two vine maples in the spring to put on each side of the fine arts building to make, because it was kind of shady, perfect for vine maple. You don't want to put vine maples in full sun. They burn up and get diseased. And uh, I put them the same exposure, same soil. One just exploded into color. You had to wear your sunglasses to look at it. The other one did just what you described. The leaves turned brown. They stayed on all winter long. Looked horrible. And uh, it did it. I thought, all right, this it's young. Next year, it'll all be better. Did it every year for the rest of the time I worked there. And uh, like the people in the fine arts building are going, the faculty are going, why don't you replace that tree? You know, <laughs> I don't think we ever did it before I left, but... Um, I think I kept hoping somehow it would change. I'm not sure it's going to change. I'd give it another year. Uh, If it doesn't change, well, you know, you might want to give that to someone you don't like and go get another one. (laughs) So, yeah, that's too bad. But And you know what it comes down to? You should buy a tree you're buying for fall color right now. So the nurseries are loaded with Japanese maples and other plants that are, they look like they've caught fire in the garden. So uh, go buy one of those. If they've got it this year, they'll have it every year that they all look good. Not every year is great. And I think I have time for one more here. And this is from uh, Angie. She's got a uh, Christmas cactus. She just bought it. It's in bloom. She wants to know how to take care of that. 
And can she divide it in two and put it in two smaller pots? No, don't divide it. (laughs) If you cut that thing in half, that's the end of that Christmas cactus for good. I guarantee that. These things grow up in the jungles, uh, up in the trees in the jungles in Brazil and probably some other South American countries. And uh, so they're really neat plants. So with a Christmas cactus, what you want to do, what I do is uh, after it's done blooming, you're going to let it just kind of stay cool and dry out a little. Just water it now and then when it when it feels light. And uh, keep it in good light, not full sun, but a bright spot. Uh, Next spring, start watering it more regularly. And then I put mine outside in the spring, in the summertime, in the shade. Don't let a slug eat them. It happened to me once. Bring it in in fall. In September and October, let it get pretty dry. Keep it in a cool, bright, but out of direct sunlight spot. Once the buds start to form, don't move it until it starts blooming for real. Then very gently, you can move it. If you move it when it's just forming buds, a lot of times they all fall off. Oh, la, la. But I got to tell you the good news. Christmas cactus, they're called zygocactus or schlumbergia sometimes. Those plants are pretty darn easy to grow as a house plant. So uh, a lot of times you just keep them in the house. They do great in a in a bright spot out of direct sunlight, but they do like to get cool for them to set buds. So that's a mighty good thing to do. So, uh, hey, I hope that helps. I hope you're, I have seen Christmas cactus that are like 80 years old and still blooming and looking beautiful. Well, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. I so much appreciate it. Brian, thanks so much, old buddy. All right, everyone, eat your Brussels sprouts, enjoy this great weather, take your dog for a walk, and enjoy life. See you next week. Bye.